Uh, but we really want to strive for being positive whenever we get an opportunity. So that means reinforcing good things. So whenever you see something that's that's done right, to celebrate that, to measure that. Um, I think a good phrase that I've heard over the years is things that get measured get done. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by the head men's basketball coach of Dallas Baptist University, Blake Flickner. Coach Flickner has a record of 304 wins and only 191 losses in his 18 years at DBU. He's led the Patriots to a pair of Heartland Conference regular season titles and two Heartland Tournament Championships. Coach Flickner is also a two-time Heartland Conference Coach of the Year in 2009 and 2017. The Patriots are just one of seven teams in the nation to reach the NCAA postseason each of the last five seasons. In 2001, Coach Flickner earned a Master of Arts degree in Christian Education at Dallas Theological Seminary. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. Thank you so much for giving up your time to talk hoops today. Absolutely. Love to do it with you. Awesome. How's everything going for you right now? Yeah, it's going well. We uh, we're in workouts, preseason workouts, and the team is is bonding. It seems to have pretty good chemistry going right now. Everybody's working pretty hard for the most part. Fairly healthy. A few minor things that we're uh, working through. As as always, there's always something. But um, yeah, doing well. Family's what's the, good. So, what's the daily routine look like for for some of your guys right now? Yeah, so they've got most of their classes are in the morning. We have a few situations where a guy has an evening class, but generally we practice in the afternoon. So they've got um, classes in the morning. Sometimes some small groups come in. We've got at least a 30 or 45 minute group uh, where they come in and, and one, two, three, four guys at a time to either get some shots up or watch some extra film during the morning, kind of around their class schedule when they have a break. On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, they're lifting with our strength coach um, for an hour in, in the weight room. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday afternoons, they spend another 45 minutes with our strength coach doing some plyometric type things. And then we get four hours of basketball a week. So we've been doing that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesdays, strictly weights and, and Bible study uh, on, on Wednesdays. So with four hours that you have to spend your season, you know, in, in a month and a half or a month, whenever you guys start, what's the focus of those four hours for you? Are you, is it mainly individual or are you starting to build some of the layers for what you guys do offensively or defensively? Yeah, in the past, it's it's emphasized individual fundamentals more than the team layers. Um, although we we've always kind of incorporated some of those things in early on. Uh, this year has been a little bit different. We've we've done more of the team uh, concepts and layers, uh, partly because we have a international trip planned coming up here in just a few weeks, and so we're going to Spain as a team, and we'll spend a week in Spain during our fall break, and so that's jumped our accelerated our our uh, timeline ahead a little bit. So we're we're already doing going up and down five on five, putting in broad concepts for defense and an offense both without uh, as much breakdown as we normally would do. So we're doing a lot of teaching on film 
Mm. And then just trying to get some conditioning while we play and try and play with the concepts that we want to eventually play with uh, and then correct as we go through film. Um, so that's that's been a little bit of a different preseason than our normal rhythm. I mean, what do you, what do you prefer? You prefer to have more of the the skill work, maybe layering in some things as you go rather than almost a you know holistic approach of this is the whole and we're going to work our way through it. What do you prefer? Yeah, I like the individual things because I'm such a big believer in teaching, development. you got to have the fundamentals. you got to be able to do different things. But I tell you, the guys are loving it. I've been enjoying it. And uh, and even before we had this uh, situation that's kind of forced us into this timetable, uh, I've been talking to some other coaches that, that play a lot more than we had in the fall and just kind of been considering, okay, what does that look like? You know, how, mm. how do you do that? Um in a way that is productive and still get the teaching in that we want to do. So it's not just, you know, rolling the balls out and, and guys are hooping, but how do we, how do we get the teaching that we want to have in? So for us, that's, that's looked like more film. We're trying to continue to uh, put more film in their hands and uh, do as much as the NSA will allow us together with the coaches. But we've also got a platform where they've just got access to every, every, every practice. And then we've got clips that are, you know, you, if you take a shot or you make a turnover or you get a steal or you get an assist, any possession that ends with you getting one of those box score type things, uh, you've got an edit that's just got those. So, it, I mean, just an hour or so after practice, they can watch it on their phone and uh, or on their laptop or whatever. So we, um, you know, obviously want their academics to come first and recovery and all that stuff. But uh, I've been surprised at how much film they've watched when it's just voluntary on their own for them to do it. Interesting. Uh, it's been more this year than in the past. Interesting. Uh, one, they they like playing more, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's. <laughs> but also, yeah, the fact that like they're they're getting into that optional, if you will, film mm-hmm. instead of just just doing the the mandated stuff. I, I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting point. Yeah, just it's been good. I think it's been a good rhythm, and I, I like where we're at so far. I do. I want to celebrate you on uh, a lot of schools do these ID camps mm-hmm. you know, where they invite high school players in and, and you get to work out and do some things. Uh, a couple of things I was able to bring my stepson to to mm-hmm. one of your set. He's just a sophomore. So we knew he was going to be one of the younger ones. And, you know, we don't do a, a ton of ball screen work. So as soon mm-hmm. as I saw that action happen, I was like, OK, well, it's good for him. Mm-hmm. But is is natural you know he's not going to be able to recognize or oh, i've mm. done this a lot before but all that to say uh walking into it i was super impressed one with the organization of it you guys started on time mm. you were there like that that just really i, I kind of walked into it thinking uh assistant the assistants were there but that they would really run the thing but mm. the fact that you're the head coach you were there and then again to celebrate it's a it's an hour long workout. You guys meet at half court and you share the gospel right off the bat. Like that's what you lead with, the keeping the main thing the main thing. So I just I, I was just sitting there thinking, this is so cool. I wish more people could see this hmm. at a big time college program. The main thing, uh that that's what we're starting out with. Yeah, that's you know, we want everybody that comes to one of our camps to have at least heard the gospel, even if it's just a two or three, four minute quick. Uh, broad summary of of the Bible's message. Uh, that's something that's unique about us, and uh, so what I love to just put that out there. Hopefully, you know, maybe for for somebody it's it's new, 
um, and then you know offer the opportunity to ask more questions or reach out to us more if they want any follow-up on that but then we try and maximize that hour from a basketball standpoint too and move into things that when I was growing up um, I went to a lot of what felt like babysitting camps where you know you play tag and pac-man and there's swim time and video game time and we're going to watch these highlight films of michael jordan and things and uh you didn't actually i told my dad one time i I played more basketball at home than when i went to basketball camp and um so i I don't want our camps to be that if you're going to pay money and come let's let's get some work done so we try and get give them as much as we possibly can in a in a short period of time i loved it too because it to me it shows as a coach or if i'm a player it shows what what college coaches view as important, mm. what skills are important for you to have. I mean, you, you start out with jump rope. You start mm. out with, just so you know, that's influenced our second period athletics here mm. quite a bit because it's watching you take them through all those movements. It's kind of funny as, as I get older, I'm forgetting some of the things that I did as a player mm. that I feel like was a separator. I used to jump rope a ton. Because mm. because Coach Wojciechowski one time when I taught he was an assistant at Duke he was actually recruiting Bracy Wright and Darren Williams but my high school coach knew I was such a big Duke fan he's like do you want to talk to Wojo and I was like heck yeah and I asked him what do you do for quick feet he said you got to jump rope every day mm. so it was a big thing but I've forgotten that over the years so I go to your workout and I see you start gospel jump rope and then two ball and so it's just validating you know some things that we do well but all the mm. things that I, I can't forget to add in so that was cool good yeah it's it's simple jump rope's not an expensive tool um it's not flashy there's no blinking lights or anything like that but man you you can't play basketball if you can't move and and over time you know we try and do it throughout the entire season um and from a guy's freshman year to their senior year we really believe if you'll just do this consistently you'll have better feet and you'll move better and uh so we think that's that's really important and I like the fact that you're you're having them do that. You're you're the one saying that we're going to give you our time to jump rope instead of what I, I same with shooting. We guys, we really want you to become better shooters. So on your own, you better be doing this. Yeah, you know, we want you to be better jump rope. So on your own, you better. And and what are the odds? You know, the one or mm-hmm. two percenters may be doing it, but yeah. the rest of the guys won't. Especially if we want them to still be like you said, students and have a life and. Favorite culture building activity that you guys do? I'll tell you one thing we started doing this spring that's been really profitable is just, hey, we're going to go for a walk and you can't talk basketball. So we've got a, a walking trail that kind of goes back to the woods and things on campus. And we'll just say, hey, tomorrow, what time can you, when you have break, w- w- let's go for a walk. Uh, no basketball talk. Um, and it's just, you know, relationship building, um, you know, trying to to have a good connection, know what's going on with those Guys, by the time everybody comes to practice, it's go, 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 get dressed, you know, hurry, get out on the court, let's start working on this. And you may not realize that somebody's depressed, mm. you know, and dealing with something off the court or got some stuff going on. So we tried to open the door for that. Um, when school started back this fall, it was still really hot. And uh, so to go for a walk, you'd want to do it really early in the morning. So I've also thrown out there, hey, you want to go for a walk? Or you want to go play ping pong or pool tomorrow? Um, and so we can. Just, just have some time together to to uh, have a little short conversation. So, um, if you can just do one guy a day or every other day, and if each guy on our staff is doing that, and uh, then we can try and go through the team and and make those connections. Hopefully, 
fairly often. So every couple of weeks they're getting to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with, with a coach or with the head coach. And we can then update our staff, you know, with what things we learn, you know, during those times. So that's been really, really profitable. Another thing that we've done just within the team is we call them life maps. Um, but we're going to, hey, you got 30 minutes and, you know, it's, it's a significant chunk of time. But tell me about your, your family heritage. Uh, tell me about some high times you've had in your life. Tell me about some hard times you've had in your life. Tell me about some heroes that really influenced you growing up. Tell me about uh, uh, a way that you've seen the hand of God work in your life. You know, how, and if we can just go through those five things and ask questions and uh, guys put together PowerPoints and show pictures. And um, that's been really good just to kind of know, wow, I had no idea, uh, you know, some, this guy's father passed away when he was 12 years old or, you know, whatever it is or different things that people have been through. Um, and it really helps draw the team closer together and, and makes it a bonding, a bonding time. And both of those are great. I love how simple the walk idea is. Yeah, just just go for a walk. But the no basketball thing, mm -hmm. that's that's the huge piece because that's more for the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, I mean, how, with our players, how much of our interaction with them is based on the game around the game? And so but if we want to truly be transformational we have to know the the entire person how how do the players react you know how are they during those walks is it a little slow at first with getting yeah. stuff out of them and then it how do they go yeah so now it's 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 become a little bit more natural but early on it when i the first time we started doing that it was like what am i in trouble what, <laughs> why are we going for a walk but the great thing about walking is if you have a couple of minutes of, of quiet, it feels a little bit less awkward. If you're just sitting in the office staring at each other, it's like they feel like they're in the principal's office. And, you know, if there's a, a pause in the conversation, it feels really awkward. But if you're walking, it's all right, we're doing something. Or if you're playing ping pong or, you know, whatever, um, it, it's a lot less awkward that way. And then it allows time for questions to come out or people to, to then open up a little bit more. With your uh, life maps, with that, with those talks, how you said 30 minutes, how do you usually organize it with, you know, how many players are going at a certain time? Uh, how, how much time do you give them ahead to think about it? Yeah. So they'll have a week or two or three weeks to, to prepare, you know, we'll maybe sign up for the next three or four weeks uh, when we've done this in the past and then say, Hey, on this day, these two guys are going, we got an hour block set aside. Uh, so we'll just, We'll just get through two guys that day um, and, uh, you know, give them an opportunity so they can prepare, you know, maybe put a PowerPoint or something together, bring some pictures to share. I encourage them to do that. I think visual aids helps everybody. It helps the, the person who's speaking, but it also helps the people that are listening uh, to engage a little bit. Uh, so if you can make it visual and just, you know, focus on those, those five things, heritage, heroes, high times, hard times, hands of God, um, that that helps give you some some hooks to kind of hang your thoughts on and and makes it makes it flow pretty easy and it's amazing when people are talking about themselves you know they they don't want to get up and give a speech for two minutes but you can get guys going for for 20 minutes easy that's what i was going to ask is man 30 minutes is a long time for a for a for a young man to stand up there and speak in front of a group they they usually they take you know like 15 yeah. 20 even 30 minutes yeah they they think it's going to to be really hard but once they just start talking and you're just telling about your family and um it usually goes i mean we're, we're often sometimes all right it's time to cut it let's move on to the next guy 
Um, and, and we leave time for questions. They may actually only be uh, presenting for 15 or 20 minutes, and then there's some questions, Q&A, and follow up on maybe some things that they said. And so it's more conversational, and it, it flows pretty well. Coaches, the Jamodi podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skills Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NAIA, NJCAA, and a growing number of NCAA coaches to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This four-minute, 40-shot test can be taken free today on the Biology mobile app. Elevate your game. What's one thing that besides just how beautiful your campus is with the lake and everything. It's one of my favorite places to visit. What's one thing that makes your program different? Yeah, so everybody's trying to win basketball games, and, and you know, we want to do that, and there's certain things on the court that maybe are slightly different, but for the for the most part, you know, most, most on-court things you can find somewhere else. There may be a few different varieties or, or versions, um, but somebody's probably doing something pretty similar offensively or defensively we all steal from other coaches and even if somebody comes up with a novel idea by the next year there's a bunch more teams that are are doing that but one thing that I think we want we say we want to be very different in and so we strive for uh, is one we want to be uh, running our program with integrity we're, we're all trying to win but let's do it the right way and that means you know we need to follow NCA policies for us uh, whether I think it's a dumb rule or not, whether I like it or not, whether that's irrelevant. You know, if there's a way to to manipulate around it, you know, no. What's what's the intent? What's the spirit of the rule? How can we follow within that? And sometimes that gets hard because there are times that I think, man, we 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 want to build some work ethic here, and they're cutting our hours back. We have only got you know so much time, and so there's there's conflict there. But you've got to say, no, this is this it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We want to do it right and so there's at times that's a struggle but that's something we fight for and that's something we want we want to do it with integrity and then the other thing that i think is just really unique about our program um, even amongst other quote-unquote christian schools is how intentional we are in the mentoring or what we call discipleship process we we want that to be something that's really unique in our program so you know we're going to get to know guys we're going to ask them personal questions we want to know who they're dating we want we read a book this summer uh called boundaries and dating and you know we're we're in small groups two three four guys with a coach and you know we're talking about you know what to look for what to avoid you know how do you handle dating relationships and then we're always taking it back to the bible and um you know looking to connect you know what does god's word say said what's the wisdom how can we apply that to our situation our life you know what is this e- truth that um that we can learn from and uh, and you know our guys are at varying stages and levels of spiritual maturity so that looks different you know with yeah. some guys for some guys we're just we're not forcing anyone to believe anything but we're trying to be persuasive and compelling um for what i believe is life-changing and um and true and you know so we're we're presenting that and then other guys that man they're they're committed to a christian walk and a christian faith but they need they need somebody to come alongside and help them look, learn how to grow be, be maybe a little more consistent in what they say they believe and then other guys are studs and they just need to be you know let loose to lead and to to encourage others and to to step out and and take more of a a leadership role you know spiritually so um that discipleship aspect, I think, is is something that's really unique. I mean, we're 
we're having a, a discipleship meeting once a week. And I tell the guys, you, you better have your Bible when you come, because if, if this is just to come hear me talk, that that's nothing special. You can get that anywhere. But if, if we're going to hear something that's really unique, let's hear from God. And so let's let's open our Bibles and let's study it together. And, you know, that's that's uncomfortable for some guys, but that's something that's unique. We tell guys in the recruiting process, this is what it's all about. And we've had guys that choose to come here that aren't Christians, that aren't interested in that. Um, but we're their best, you know, academic and athletic opportunity. And so they still want to come, but they know this is what, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to be doing. Um, and you know, we need to embrace that and not fight us on that, or you're, you're not going to be happy here. Man, like, I, I feel like I'm listening to somebody talk about grapevine faith mm. because it, it's refreshing to hear at your level that, uh, you know, the, the, the Baptist or the Christian aspect or the private aspect of your college just isn't a name only mm. that you're living it out because there's, there's a ton of private schools. There's a ton of Christian schools and, but, mm. but man, living it out and setting those standards, it's challenging because it, yeah. it, it, I've always felt like at faith, it makes that circle of players mm. that we, we, we could get or, 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 our, or our, that come to faith or that come to our comp competitors that it, it might be a little bit different. But like you, we do have some some young men and young women here at our school that their parents are believers, but they may not be. And mm -hmm. I've always I've always wondered, you know, how can I encourage those that are really strong in their faith just to lead, like you said? Mm -hmm. How can we continue to move along those that may be questioning? And then, but then the, my biggest struggle is the ones that that clearly they don't have a relationship. How do you keep from, so here's my question, long way to get to it. How do you keep from completely alienating them and pushing them farther away? Because you're right. They, if, if, if it is, if we're being intentional and it is being infused in everything we do, they're going to feel that, that tension every day. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's not an easy question. And, you know, I'd go back to the integrity aspect. We want to hopefully walk the walk and then when we mess up or fall short be quick to confess and and own that uh so that they see some consistency um that's big um and that's just important as a parent that's important as a coach in in any sphere um you know for us at the college level it starts in the recruiting process you know we're selling this you know we're presenting this is who we are um and so that's weeding people out you know who wants that who doesn't want that um uh, kind of identifying what 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 are the guys that are are fits for our program on the front end, but then when we get in, you know, DBU is is really big on servant leadership. That's part of our mission statement in developing students that are servant leaders. And and part of the leadership uh, literature on servant leadership means that this is a persuasive style of of leader. It's not just authoritarian. I say you do. Yeah. Um, this is I want to present a compelling. Um, Piece that gets your buy-in, so that it's an internal, um, an internally motivated um, belief, not just you're doing it because you have to, and it's drudgery, and yeah. I hate it. And, intrinsic um, over intrinsic. Yeah, we want that yeah. intrinsic motivation, and so that I mean that comes to when we're talking about basketball. I'm trying to I'm trying to get them to buy. This is why we're doing this. This is why it's good for us. This is why it's going to be good for you. You know, hey, so and so. I don't want you to dribble off the ball screens. You know, your thing is to pass and cut and move, and you need to be great at getting yourself open. 
um, off the ball, with your off ball movement. Um, because when you start dribbling too much, you're you're turning the ball over. So we'll work on that in the offseason. We'll work on that before and after practice. But when we're in games, let's limit it to this maybe what feels like a smaller role. But I really, you know, we got to present because guys don't, they don't hear, they want to be Kyrie. They want to be, you know, step, you know, I want to do all the things that I see other people do. But you got to remember there are really, really good players that are really, really good at one or two things. You know, look at Clay Thompson. He doesn't dribble it the same way Steph Curry does, but he's an elite player. Um, you know, or Tyler Heroes playing in the NBA, but, you know, he's not over dribbling the basketball. And, you know, some guys need to be good at the things they're good at. Um, and you can still be a really good player at a really high level without doing every single thing. Just do what you do really well. So we're we're selling this. We got we got to get them to buy in, not just do it. You know, sometimes we have to say that, you know, come you can't play. Come sit down because you're not buying in. Um but what I want is their buy-in, and that's that's what we're after. And that comes to when we're talking faith, too. I'm not trying to force them to believe, but I'm trying to present what I believe is true, demonstrate how it's true, demonstrate how it's effective, demonstrate how it applies, and hopefully a way that's compelling and persuasive. Um, and then we pray, because when it comes to faith, you know, ultimately this is the type of thing that happens in this unseen spiritual realm where the Holy Spirit's doing something that we can't even manipulate and control. So we pray about it and then we let it go. And we've had guys before we had a guy from Europe who was one of these guys that knew um, he was not a Christian. He wasn't even a nominal Christian. He knew he was not a Christian, but he chose DBU because we were basically his best uh, college option. Um, and he, he was open-minded about it. You know, Hey, this will be like a Western civ class. I'll get to experience, you know, Christianity. But when he got here, Early on, he was like, whoa, this is different than what I'm used to. And he thought he was in a cult, (laughs) you know. And so what we did with him was come to my house. Let's have some dinner. Let's not talk, uh, you know, faith uh, at all. Let's just be people and develop a relationship and just try and bridge that. And eventually he he got more comfortable. And, um, you know, we've got a great relationship, really thankful for the man that he is, but it was hard for him those few first few weeks because it is different. Personal question for you. Mm-hmm. My wife and I do a, a life group, and it was mm-hmm. just the men talking, uh, meeting last week. And uh, I think we're going through Jude, mm-hmm. you know, that, that one chapter in okay. Jude, it, it was talking about prayer. And mm-hmm. I just asked the question to the guys about their prayer life because I, it's a part of my, I'm pretty, pretty consistent getting in the word. But with prayer, I'm a little hit or miss, and and I, I'm struggling with that. In your life, what's what are your habits or what's your prayer life like? And yeah, anything you're willing to share? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a rare thing to find anyone who feels like, oh yeah, I'm killing it when it comes to prayer. Um, Great connection, be, yeah. <laughs> um, probably, probably somewhat unusual, but um, it is you know, really important. I think we, um, if we believe that God is real and that he's there and that's a true belief, then it, it would reflect itself, you know, in this relationship that is not just academic study. And that's where I fall too, is, you know, I, I enjoy studying the Bible. I, I think one of my giftings is teaching. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't mind studying and learning new things. There's, there's an academic uh, aspect to my personality that, 
that goes there. But am I translating that academic pursuit into heart change? Am I translating that into um, relationship uh, with God uh, through prayer? Um, and that's that's sometimes a a lacking area. So uh, I can relate to that. You know, ways that we try and fight that is to build some rhythm um, into into our routine. So even just things with our family, things with our team. And I tell our team like public prayer in this way is not, that's not prayer. <laughs> like th- th- this is, this is examples that, you know, hopefully you're doing on your own. Um, you know, this is to, to maybe teach when we pray in church or we pray as a team or we pray, you know, publicly, you know, that's, that's, that's for one another. And it is, we're, we're speaking to the Lord. Um, but it's a little bit of a teaching opportunity but the really impactful relationship happens personally in in one-on-one quiet individual times with the Lord and that's that's what I think most people feel like is rare um for them and I can I can attest to that myself and so we we try and build those rhythms uh into our life to create some habits but um yeah the, automatically the challenge with that is with our schedules mm-hmm but the, but you nailed it early on like if we really do believe this how in the world can anything else be more important mm-hmm. but i find myself frantically moving from thing to thing and then the day goes by and yeah. no conversation again so, yeah yeah, yeah I, I can relate to that and it's it's what happens with our players um we don't get enough conversation with them so we make sure that there's a walk, you know, there's a walk scheduled. It's on the calendar. We're doing it at a certain time. Um, and uh, we, we've got to find ways to work those walks into our, our schedule with, with the Lord, too. Thank and maybe you, another thing to add to yeah. that topic, too, is just to, to reframe in our mind, what are our expectations from prayer? Do I have to be on my knees with my fingers in this position or hands in this position? Or, you know, is that the only type of prayer? You know, or, um, you know, there's a, a story in the Bible. Nehemiah is getting ready to ask the, the king that he's working for a really hard ask. And basically from the moment he gets a new some news to the moment that he speaks to the king, it says that Nehemiah prayed. Well, that, that had to be like a, a two second prayer. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, God help me. That, that That's a prayer right there. You know, so can we um, reframe our expectations a little bit? It'd be it'd be awesome to have a 30 minute block set of time. That's just quiet conversation with the Lord, but that doesn't happen very often, but can we maybe in the car, you know, on the way to across campus, you know, are, are there other opportunities where short conversations so that we're always um, mindful of God's reality and his presence and relationship in our life. That's, um, you know, it's maybe helpful too to think about. It doesn't just have to be those huge blocks of time that are, you know, in the closet, on my knees, hands raised, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't have to always look like that. You can pray with your hands on the steering wheel, too. In fact, that's when we probably pray the most. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And, and I was thinking, too, like, how often do we have those little two, three-minute things, and then we, we immediately grab our phone, and we just go through, like, you know, maybe I use that time mm-hmm. a, a little more wisely. And so a great reminder there, coach. How do you build confidence in your players? 
Yeah. So one of our things that we really try and emphasize is we want to be positive coaches as much as possible. So much of what we have to do in our teaching is correction and, you know, that needs to be done this way and that's not the right way to do it. And, uh, but we really want to strive for being positive whenever we get an opportunity. So that means reinforcing good things. So whenever you see something that's, that's done right, to celebrate that, to measure that. Um, I think a good phrase that I've heard over the years is things that get measured get done. Um, so we don't have the the huge staffs that, you know, some some large high major division one schools do. Uh, we may have a bigger staff than a lot of high schools do. So we're somewhere in, in between. But we want to try and measure as many things as we can. So we've got uh, things that we chart, ways that we display it, ways that we present it, ways that we celebrate it. Um, to try and reinforce the things that we think are important and and want to get done. And that hopefully then allows us to not dwell on and focus on the negative. So that going back to, you know, how do you how do you reinforce confidence? Well, we want to build into guys the things that you do well. So instead of saying, you know, so-and-so don't dribble, so-and-so catch and shoot or, or move the ball. You're such a good shooter. You know, be ready to shoot it when you catch. If not, you know, pass and cut. Get yourself open, you know, with your movement. So you're emphasizing the things that they do well and that you want them to do rather than the things that they don't do well and you don't want them to do. Mm. Now, sometimes, you know, it's it's not – they're not catching it. And so you still have to say the negative things sometimes. And But our goal is to not – make people um, afraid of the things they can't do, but bold in the things that they can do and to really get ownership in, hey, this is your strength. Do that. Do this really well. You know, some guys are are special at different things. Some things get celebrated naturally, socially, communally, um, that aren't the whole picture of basketball, but it's the stuff that makes the, you know, we're not on Sports Center that often, but you got your Sports Center, you got your, and even just walking the halls in high school, you know, who scored the most points? Everybody's seeing that. Well, who set the screen to get that guy open? Who made the pass to get that guy open? You know, who's doing the the other things that make that happen? Can we celebrate those things so that people are, are recognizing that? I think that breeds confidence. Um, and then, you know, if we can measure those things, show those things, we, we've got a 2K board on our, our wall that is like the NBA 2K video game. You know, they, they announced the, the ratings, you know, LeBron James gets it. Well, we, we measure a bunch of stuff and then we put, we rank all the guys and then we've got ratings. And so the, the hope is that the bottom guy that's maybe not getting as much playing time is able to see himself move up from the 14th to the 13th spot or the 13th to the 12th spot. He's got some motivation Hey, if I can just work on these things, I can I can improve, and you can see it. Um, and and the guys at the top, hey, I want to I want to stay at the top. You know, you need to keep doing these little quote unquote little things um, to to maintain. You know what we expect. You know we expect all these things to be done, not just the guy that, that scores all the points, which is an important part of basketball. Somebody needs to score some points. Um, but there's a lot of things that go into that. So emphasizing the things they do well. Um, measuring the things that we want done so that we can we can reward and celebrate the good rather than dwelling on the negative all the time um, and allow us to be be more positive coaches. I think that's those are things that we try and do and I've I, I found to be somewhat effective. I think it's a great reminder for us to focus on so, so many of those 
don't statements, if we take a second and, and think our way through it, we could easily switch it to a do statement. Mm-hmm. But, the, but that is received so differently in our players. The don't statements can put them in a box, can cripple or, or affect their confidence in a negative way, can, can affect the relationship between coach and player. The do mm-hmm. statements, like you said, our way, and I'm not talking pie in the sky, everybody's great and, and nobody makes mistakes, but teaching from that positive stance, mm-hmm. uh, I think you allow them to take more chances, uh, be more creative, more courageous, like you said, or bold. I dig that. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because part of building confidence is you've got to not freak out with every mistake. You know, there's certain things we can't allow to continue but mistakes are going to happen. So us as coaches have got to, to expect that, allow some room for that, particularly in practice, particularly early in the season. Not that it doesn't get corrected, but not in a demeaning way. Like, you know, we, we've got to learn from this. You know, we've got to view ourselves as teachers um, and not, um, not demean players yeah. for mistakes. But you, ex- mistakes are going to come. Yeah. We've got to play through that. I've yet to see a game at any level that's a hundred to zero. You know, we're not we're not holding anybody to zero. That's not the way this game is 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 played. Um, so we we need to not be surprised by that and allow some room for that, especially with young guys. You know, this is going to happen. That's that's okay. It's part of the process. Majority of mistakes aren't coming from lack of focus. Like right. in my opinion, I think they're coming from a player playing out of control. Maybe maybe trying to do what we're asking them to do, but at this point, at a speed or at a level they're not capable of. But that's like we'll keep encouraging them to get there, get there. But most likely, mistakes are coming from players being timid, holding back, second guessing, and I think that is directly related to the the response that they have either heard from us or feel like is going to come from us. So in, in a big way, all the, the mistakes that we have that, that happen in games and practices and how we deal with them, I, I think that directly contributes to the frequency of them. Yeah, And I, I tell myself and our staff and our players all the time, like, I don't think we've got selfish guys that want to lose. Like, I, I, if guys are making mistakes or somebody does something, maybe that wasn't the right shot or what, they're not doing it because they're trying to lose. They're not doing it because – they're in they're really selfish it's it's they're trying to do right and it just wasn't the right play and so not turning it into a moral mistake um you know and recognizing like um hey this is this is something to learn from can we get a little bit better at making these decisions um as opposed to oh he's so selfish you know we've got to avoid that type of language in our you know coming out of our, our mouths I love the 2K board idea. We do a skill rating system here at Faith, but I don't have, I just have the the all-time winning scores that can change mm-hmm. and fluctuate in our hallway, but not a current board with all the guys and because and we'll do it a few times. Do you ever share that with other people as far as what you guys chart, how you do mm-hmm. it? What the, do you do? Do you share that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay. And, and it it changes. I mean, we've tweaked it this year from last year a little bit because we're always trying analytics and measuring things of whatever type is always um it's just one tool in the toolbox and you want to what are the things that are really the most important we don't have the 
ability to measure every single detail. Um, but what are the things that most directly correlate to the big picture goal of what we're trying to do as a team? And so, you know, we've adjusted those, uh, the things that we measured um, year to year um, as we're always trying to tweak it and get it a little bit better. The Jamoti podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. We talked a little bit early on uh, in the intro just about individual skill work and how you value that, but how does that, especially in-season practice, because I feel like for a lot of coaches, skill work is huge in the fall and the spring. They try to put a lot of emphasis on it, and then all of a sudden the season starts and it it just tanks. It's all team. How does it work for you in your daily practice? Yeah, so one thing that we've incorporated into our practices is having, like, skill stations, individual, like, fundamental things that we do throughout the season. I, I hesitate to use the words always and never, but we try to do them every day. Um, and so it's things like jump rope. It's things like jump stopping and pivoting. You know, we call it Kobe footwork. Kobe Bryant had great footwork. He knew how to shot fake and jab and front pivot and back pivot. And, um, but if you're just jabbing and you don't call it Kobe Bryant, you know, was good at this, then, you know, maybe they miss that this doesn't just relate to third graders. This relates to the highest levels of basketball. Um, you know, if whatever your talent level is, anybody will be better if they do the fundamental things well. So, you know, we're trying to incorporate ball handling, uh, footwork and improving your footwork and just some fundamental things like passing, shooting, um, pivoting. Um, and we're doing those things daily um, throughout the season, even as when we're in the thick of it with our, our team and, and playing games. So, um, trying to make sure that that doesn't lag. And, and it's hard because when you get in the season, you're so focused on, hey, we got to get do this for this game. Yeah. And you don't want to do too much. You got to save their legs a little bit. You got to manage that. But we just really believe that if we do it a little bit every day and over the course of the year and over the course of a four-year career, then it's going to really make a big difference. You know, one day doesn't make that big of a difference. But you do it day after day after day after day after day, then we do believe that makes a huge difference over time. Well, it's, a, it's the reminder of, you know, in February, we don't want two more plays. We want our, our two more players. Like, we want two more guys to be better mm -hmm. in, in February. And I don't know if that's a Don Meyer. It feels like a Don Meyer. But uh, it, the idea is the walkthrough, the scouting, uh, the shell drill, all of those things are important from, you know, throughout the season. But their skill work, because during games, I mean, if you were to chart how much, how much your best players will have the ball, hopefully the most in their hands. Mm -hmm. and But then it starts to drop off after that. So how are we continuing to grow our players throughout the season? Can you really look your players in the eye and tell them throughout this season, you will be developed, you will improve as a player? And I think yeah, individual skill work helps that, helps that. Yeah. And not just the top five, you know, everybody, yeah. the reason you're playing the game and on the team is because you enjoy doing this stuff and getting better and touching the ball and shooting. And if you never get a chance to do that, because maybe that's that's not the role where you're getting the most of that in game situations. Um, but maybe by springtime, maybe by February, 
you know, you'll be a little bit more ready or maybe by next year or maybe, by, you know, if we'll just keep working on it um, and keep getting better. So um, I, I think that's really important. And I've been a part of programs where I've worked before where player development was not a big thing. You know, it was let's let's learn how to play together as a team. Let's play hard. You know, let's let's do this team stuff. And then I've been a part of programs where the player development was huge. And man, I just loved that. I bought into that. That's what I wanted. That's why I coach. And I thought, man, we need to find ways to incorporate this and make it happen because um, it's just so important. There might be a thing to do with, with style also, mm-hmm. because the way you guys play, how fast you get up the floor, how quickly you're willing to take open threes in transition and transition and the style of play. I think that requires highly skilled mm-hmm. players when yep. you're not joysticking and having control mm-hmm. over where the ball goes, every possession, when the, when the, you have to really trust them to find a way through concepts, then they better have the, the, the skill work behind it or else that system might be, might be uh tough to coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think handling defeat, defeat will come mm-hmm. throughout most seasons and I think it's a time where I know I've made some of the mistakes I look back and wish I could do over. It's after defeats. Mm-hmm. It's not handling that, communicating that well. So how do you handle that with your team? Yeah, everybody, it's a common phrase to talk about, you know, focus on the process. Um, but I, I've found that to be so grounding um, as coaches and as teams. When I first started at DBU, we were starting a program from scratch we weren't very good in those early years or weren't as good at least. And, you know, it's really easy to, to lose multiple games in a row. And I've been a part of losing programs and man, sometimes you just dread being around each other. You don't want to come in. The coaches are miserable. They're angry at everybody. The players are miserable. They're angry at everybody. Just, and it starts to snowball and it creates a really toxic environment. That's, that's no fun. So early on, you know, that was just something that I just drilled was let's let's focus on the process it goes back to what we talked about with coaching positively what are we measuring what are the things we want done did we do those things let's let's learn from it can we do it a little bit better so if you lose you know a couple of games in a row and you're on a little bit of a losing streak it doesn't maybe snowball you're just focused on how do we get better how do you fix it what's the how we all want to win yeah but how are we going to do it um and so as our program's gotten better and now it's funny. I, I don't feel any less stress as we, we because now the expectations are higher. Now one win, one loss feels a lot bigger than it used to. Um, and so now those things really great at you, but you just got to stay in this in the same uh, mindset. Let's measure the things that we want to measure. Are we doing these things? Are we getting better at these things? Let's focus on the process. Um, and I've found that that helps create a more stable rhythm throughout the season because the thing too is if your program gets gets if you have a strong team you can win a game and feel really good and maybe you shouldn't you know maybe there's a lot of teaching and learning that needs to go on and if you just celebrate and splash water and post on social media all your dances and stuff when you win well then the next game you lose well we don't want to post that on social media so we've created this expectation and now you've got this roller coaster that you're on and um yeah, we've just tried to avoid that. We just tried to uh, do it as best we can. Yes, we want to have fun. We we want to enjoy it, but not too much. Yep. You know, let's, okay, what can we learn? What did we do right? What did we not do right? Um, 
And yeah, we're going to be a little down after a loss, but you know, what can we learn? How, how, what do we do right? What do we not do right? And really try and stay focused on that. I think whether you're really good or really bad, I, I think that's important. And I remember one year, 10 or 12 years ago, we had lost a game and we were on the bus and, uh, you know, everybody was quiet and depressed and sad. And um, one of our guys just stood up and said something obnoxious and silly, but then was just like, does anybody have more fun than the Patriots? And everybody busted out and the tension was gone and now we're good and we can go eat and, um, you know, enjoy one another again instead of just stewing on the yeah. bus for hours. And uh, so, I don't know, I, I get irritated if somebody's too flippant after a loss, but we that's try the hard to balance right there. Yeah. Yeah. We try to not make it a miserable environment either. And so that's, I think that's on us as coaches. We've got to set that tone. Um, we've got to figure out how to not be flippant about it, but also not make everybody's life miserable too. The kids are actually probably more resilient than the coaches are. So if we set a good tone, they'll, they'll follow that lead. I think. I love that idea of being grounded. Yeah, never too high, never too low. It's it's like perspective. You're never as great as you think you are, but you're also never as bad as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And if and if it sounds like from you that it, in practice skill work, you're constantly teaching. You're not resulting on on what's mm-hmm. happening out there. Then we can't do that after games, win or loss either. And I think that's why Tyler Costin is on this whole kick of eliminating post game talks. I do very little post game, but he's saying don't do it at all. Let them go eat pizza. Let them be with their family. Let them go home. It's already late. What are your thoughts on eliminating post game talks altogether? Uh, We've not eliminated, but ours are short. People would be surprised at how how short ours are. I think, and I've been a part of programs where it's especially after a bad game or a lot. I mean, man, we're in the locker room for hours. I mean, literally. We're going to fix everything right now. Nobody leaves until we get this right. (laughs) And the truth is your emotional reaction as a coach is often wrong. Like there's been so many times over my career that we go back and watch the tape and we're like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, there was these things good and, and this was just an unfortunate balance and we got to correct this. But, and then the flip side is it goes the other way too. It oftentimes is, is not as good as you thought it was either. Like, hey, we got this great win. We beat this team that we thought was so good. And then you go back and watch the film and you're like, oh, my gosh, how did we win that game? Um, and so you just it, – if you'll just not say too much until you have a chance to, to – I mean, I do this with refs. Like, I get upset about a call. And I want to respond and I want to like text to the commissioner. And I'm like, just I'm scratching this guy. He's done. Yeah. Watch the film. And then you're like, oh, he was right. (laughs) So, you know, oftentimes a little time and perspective and the eye in the sky, the the camera don't lie. Um, So, you know, seeing the video is is helpful too. After losses, it's I can't wait to watch film. And not mm-hmm. not as a, I want to diagnose everything we did wrong. I, I think I've come to the to realize that most losses, when I watch it, I'll I'll see really how close we were, mm-hmm. how close we were. And again, that's that it's that reframing of it. We're mm-hmm. not so far away. And it, what did we do? All these things wrong, man. We did a lot of things right, and we're really close to taking that next step. 
I've been able to walk into the next day practice or meeting, second period, whatever, after watching film after a loss in a way better mood because I, instead of just going in there and blasting them, we we go to the middle. I loved, I loved watching you play, go with your parents, and then, man, I just feel better after watching film. Yeah, well, that's good. Coaches, the Jamoti Podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a -a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. Balancing, coaching, and then also your family life. It's a huge challenge, I think, for all of us because we want to be excellent with the 12 to 15 young men that we feel like our sons and and also helping their journey. But then, man, it was Coach Peeler. He said he has a sign in his garage. When he drives in, he, he like a sign that says, this like you can't fail at this job or no one else mm-hmm. can do this job you know being the the fa- being a part of your family being the head of it so how do you balance that yeah that's a really good question um when early on in my coaching career when you're trying to get opportunities and and you know find find jobs and you know get a, get a chance to do this you just you grind and you work so hard because it's so so competitive and the the there's no really there's no test you can take as a coach to say so and so is a good coach you know so our our big thing uh, in this profession is hey I work harder and you know, I was around a lot of guys that they would you know it was a bragging contest to see you know who can work harder I work harder we work harder you know da 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 and um and I was. I was totally in on that. You know, I was, um, you know, I felt like I was the hardest worker and, you know, nobody was outworking me. And then I was around a couple of people that, that worked harder than me. And at some point um, it clicked in my head that, wait a minute, this is not something to brag about. Like their marriage is falling apart. Their kids have no relationship with them. Um, you know, this is, this is too much. We've gone over a cliff. And, and so I, I consciously made a decision I'm not going to brag about being the hardest worker. I don't want to be the hardest worker. I know some guys that are hard workers. And <laughs> some of my, my friends think, you know, that the hours that I put in are crazy or whatever. But we try and have uh, what I call banker's hours. You know, we're, we're aiming for like eight to five. I'm trying to have dinner with my family. Um, I'm trying to be home. Um, I'm trying to, to be there so that we, if we can have a family meal, I think that's one huge step that if families would do that, that's, that's really helpful. As, as awkward and hard as sometimes those meals are because the kids are crazy and the conversation's, you know, not good and people are rushing off here and there. But we try and make that happen. And we try and just set some time aside. You can see our family calendar. Our Sundays are dark shaded in. And it's like there is nothing happening on this. We are not putting anything on the calendar on these mm-hmm. days except for our, our uh, church involvement in the mornings. And then it's like, hey, we're, we're just going to, we're, we're going to be together um, and be present in those times. So there's a, a few things like that that we try and do. But, you know, the one thing that I learned early in my career was, yes, you, you got to work hard. You, you can't, 
you can't be successful at anything in life without a good work ethic, but you want to try and be efficient with your time so you're not spending unnecessary hours. You know, what are the things that really need to be done? What are the things that it's okay if it drops? I, I'm still trying to learn how to be better at delegating things. I've got, you know, guys or students that want to help. You know, can I train them in such a way that I can then trust them to, to do something that I otherwise would have done? Um, that's always been a hard thing for me. I uh, feel like I've maybe gotten a little better, but um, that's that's been hard. But just making that switch to say, I don't have to be the hardest worker. That's not the goal. The goal is to do our job well, but to keep it in, in perspective. And, you know, growing up, one of my heroes was like Tom Landry. You know, here's here's a man who God comes first. You know, for him, football was, you know, God, family, and then football. And I thought, man, that's great. You know, he's got his priorities in order. Well, it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I realized, well, yeah, that's one, two, three in order. But there is no four. Like football is really big for him. Like he's he's very invested in the football. He's not playing, you know, softball and going golfing. And, you know, he's not the best golfer in the world. He's really invested in the football. But his relationship with God is bigger than that. His priority of his family is bigger than that. And then he really invests heavily in his, his football. And so that's been a lesson for me, too, uh, is to say, okay, I want these to be my priorities in this order. But I know I want to do this one really well, too. So I got to make sure that I'm doing these even better. And I've got to cut everything else out. I can't watch a lot of movies. I can't binge watch. I can't spend all my time, you know, entertaining myself with social media. I've got to do these things well and let everything else drop off. So I'm, I'm a terrible golfer. Um, I am a very, very below average tennis player. I, uh, you know, don't play softball leagues or, you know, whatever we, I, you know, I, I work some exercise in, but it's, it's intentional and it's not superfluous. It's not just being wasteful with my time. Um, and I, I think that's how you can allow that family time to, to grow and to, to, to really be a priority is by cutting out the other things. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to our job to, to say, um, what really needs to be done? There's a lot of things that we could do, but what really is affecting what we're, what our, our job and mission and goal is, you know, and leading these, these players and trying to, you know, coach a basketball team. Are there some things that are just bells and whistles, um, that aren't necessary? And so trying to cut some of those things out. Um, and just make every effort to be present as much as possible. That's good. I wonder in our most stressful times when the, everything seems to be going wrong, basketball, family, every, if we really looked at those at that order, if it's out of whack, I would imagine most of the time when we feel overwhelmed, it's because basketball is at the top. If we measure it by where we spend our most time, our most money, then I'm sure those things get out of priority a lot. And so that's a um, that's just a good good check. I've known you for a few years and, and a lot of coaches around DFW and uh, know who you are. But after the speed round, we'll, we'll know you even better. So quick questions. First thing that pops in your head. You ready? I'm ready. Favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. How many hours do you sleep 
each night or do you need each night? Seven. Favorite basketball movie of all time? I'm struggling. Hoosiers. Yeah. It, it's the go-to. Yeah. Yeah. For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock. You're st- strong there. I, fe- I felt that. Speed um, around. Yeah. Texting or talking? Ooh. I, I, my mouth says talking, but if you were to really follow me, it would actually be texting. If you would actually see what I do, not what I say. <laughs> but it, I want it to be talking. Yeah. Uh, favorite holiday? Easter. In basketball, who is the GOAT? Jordan. Nice. Nice. If you could travel back in time, what period would you visit? Reformation. That's a good one. Your favorite place to travel? Spain. Two more. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Zero. Not a coffee guy at all. No. Yeah, I, I I used to uh, tease and joke people that you know I don't do drugs. You know, I, <laughs> and I don't drink That's coffee. Cat. But unfortunately, I do occasionally have a V eight energy drink, so I do drink some caffeine now. That's that's okay. my one, one occasional caffeine go to. Or some can you tea. count it though when it's in a V eight? Can you? Yeah, if it's it? a, if it's a <laughs> serving of fruits and vegetables, and you under and you understand all the ingredients, so tea. Uh, green tea or black tea, I'll occasionally get some caffeine. So I can't say what I used to say. I, I do have caffeine. I just don't like the flavor. I don't like the taste of coffee. So I'm not a coffee drinker. Fair. Last one. Godfather, Star Wars, or neither? Godfather. Hmm. Interesting. Coach, this was this was such a pleasure. Thanks for giving up. I mean, golly, an hour 15 of your time at this time of year too. And with your office being renovated, everything going on in your life. But I just thoroughly enjoyed getting to talk with you. Thank you so much for being authentic and, and just what the, the, what you're trying to promote at your school. Like it's just really encouraging for, for someone like me. Thanks coach. Yeah. I I've enjoyed it. Coach, if anybody's interested in man, any of the thing, even the, the culture's piece that you talked about with the, the life, life maps mm-hmm. or the 2k chart that you do what's a, the best way for coaches to contact or reach out to you my email is on the dbpatriots.com website it's just blake f uh f is in flickner f is in frank at dbu.edu blake f at dbu.edu thank you for checking out today's episode please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast share it with your fellow coaches and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.